Today at YCM, we feel extremely lucky and grateful to Chitra Narayan Ma'am for taking out her valuable time from her busy schedule to nurture young minds like us and to share her valuable inputs and experience in the area of dispute resolution. We know these are tough times and we hope that this interview will bring positivity in your life and will help you understand better about dispute resolutions and mediation. The theme of this interview is dispute resolution skills are life skills and hey, you can resolve it. Chitra Ma'am is a lawyer and an accredited mediator with the Tamil Nadu Mediation and Conciliation Center next to the Madras High Court since its inception in 2005. She is co-founder of Foundation for Comprehensive Dispute Resolution, FCDR, an organization providing mediation training and mediation services in Chennai. As a lawyer, Chitra Ma'am has over 20 years of experience in corporate commercial laws, both in transaction advisory and dispute resolution, which she brings to support her work in mediation and conciliation. Chitra Ma'am has also trained judges and lawyers about mediation. She was also invited as speaker at conference and seminars on mediation, including at the Institute of Chartered Accountants of India, Center for Advanced Mediation Practice, CAMP, LateCon 2017 conference on IP litigation. She also organized and spoke at FCDR Madras Management Association conference on appropriate dispute resolution in Chennai. Chitra Ma'am has been a partner with leading law firms prior to setting up her independent practice. She was a partner with J. Sagar Associates and before that, a founding partner with Vichar Partners, a Chennai-based law firm. She is a graduate of the National Law School of India University, Bangalore, and has a Master's in Law in Development from the University of Warwick, United Kingdom, which she attended, attended as a Shevening Scholar. Chitra Ma'am is a specialist editor of the 18th edition of A. Ramaya Guide to the Companies Act 2015, C.R. Dutta on the Company Law 7th edition 2016, and Pollock and Mullah, the Indian Contract and Specific Relief Act, Relief Act 2017. After looking at her works in the legal industries, of, we can understand how experience she is, and today we have got the golden opportunity to grasp her knowledge and wisdom through this session. Thank you so much, ma'am, for joining with us and giving us your valuable time. We are truly indebted. It's my pleasure, Aditya. Thank you for having me. So starting with the conversation, my first question for you is, like we have seen that you have across 15 years of experience, vast experience. So what were the biggest challenges and learning in dispute resolution and specifically mediation? Um, I was lucky to um, have had an early opportunity to get trained in mediation thanks to Mr. Sriyam Pancho, a senior advocate and senior mediator. And this was in, about, in 2003, I think. And um, to me, um, as a lawyer, I had felt that, um, you know, there were issues in, um, in the courts, um, the delays. Um, I thought there was a lack of agency that parties had uh, when they had disputes in Tukitoko um, and um, you know I would see judges uh, sitting with you know, uh, scores of cases each day trying to give it their uh, you know the individualized attention that uh, they needed and um, when I uh, got trained in mediation to me um, it seemed like such a wonderful opportunity for parties to 
um, you know, uh, giving them an option of, you know, trying to resolve the cases themselves. Um, that, you know, this is their problem and they could resolve it on their own. And that there were laws and that there was um, a system being instituted that could support resolution by parties themselves. Um, so, you know, to me, uh, mediation was a very empowering uh, process and uh, uh, it landed in my heart. I mean, I was uh, overjoyed when I got trained in mediation. Um, over time, um, uh, you know, I, I sort of uh, laid greater, you know, set a lot more stake in mediation being able to resolve disputes um, uh, because the values it brings to uh, dispute resolution. Um, the challenges I see are um, some are personal and some are sort of systemic. The first is that mediation has not been able to sort of grow to the extent one would have liked it to. Um, but I mean, I think I, I, we should also acknowledge the fact that uh, uh, you know courts have been around for so long and uh, they have helped uh, litigants. They have helped in uh, articulating rights, in establishing rights. Uh, they've um, helped in resolving disputes for so long that, you know, um, I think, yes, to think that, you know, um, uh, a move away uh, from courts and to mediation uh, will happen so soon, I think that's uh, a bit of wishful thinking. But having said that, I think there is still a certain linearity about how people look at uh, uh, you know, the way of resolving disputes. And that's a big challenge, I think, that uh, we need to sort of overcome. On the personal front, challenges in mediation are uh, a lot of questions about, um, uh, you know, what is fairness, what is justice? Uh, and when you're mediating a case, how important is this, is your perception of this fairness and justice? What does it mean to be a neutral? Can you be neutral? You are a political person. Uh, and, you know, um, you're also trained in a particular discipline. Um, what happens uh, when these thoughts sort of play in your mind? Uh, how mindful of, are you about this when you mediate? Um, how mindful are you of imbalances? Uh, and what does it, what does neutrality mean when you're sitting in a process uh, and uh, you know assisting parties uh, to resolve their disputes? So these are questions. These are challenges. Um, I'm also grateful for mediation for uh, sort of opening my mind to the very huge diversity of processes uh, for resolving disputes that are there in the world and in our country. Um, I'm less judgmental of them. I, I've stopped thinking of the court as being uh, the place uh, for resolving disputes. I've stopped seeing them as lesser means of resolving disputes. So, so these these are sort of uh, the changes it has brought to my life. Strong people are shaped by strong experiences and ma'am, you truly justify this statement. Now, moving forward, now that India is witnessing the second wave and the courts have started virtually again, in your view, what does our country need for an effective online dispute resolution system, that is ODR? And is the online mode adopted by courts working well? And what are the practical challenges faced by the advocates and the judges? Okay. Um, when I respond, and I, I think I need to sort of um, qualify this response. I stopped going to court about five years ago, so I'm not going to 
came to speak to know what's happening uh, in the court and in, in you know in odiyas in the court but i will speak about uh, the use of online dispute resolution um, uh, platforms and uh, for mediation um I'm, i'll also qualify what i'm what i want to say uh, as an urban person person from a city speaking right because um, i think the experiences of online dispute resolution are very different across the country uh, and i think that needs to be made clear um my before you know um, before last year i had used uh, online platforms in mediation um but uh, very sparingly very occasionally and um, i found that it was um, it took a lot of energy and a lot of effort to be able to uh, mediate disputes online um but um, since uh, using it um more frequently over the last year and this year um i think um a lot of misgivings i had about using uh, the online uh, platform for uh, mediation a lot of it has gone away um we are able to uh, use online platforms uh, very effectively to resolve disputes i mean there are obvious advantages that i think all of us know uh the fact that it brings geography different geographies together the fact that it um it's such a boon uh, during these times when we are not able to meet and interact physically um the courts have uh, as as a way of uh, bringing online uh, dispute resolution for mediation have been, have, tr- have given us trainings have uh, set up standard operating procedures have reinforce certain uh, value systems that mediation finds important in the online mediation about what confidentiality means what are responsibilities are as mediators when we mediate online and uh, these have helped us uh, uh, you know conduct mediations online um but i think i uh, we, we there are um, sort of a lot of a lot of people who uh, uh, made an effort to uh, take the online uh medium father of field I and mean, you have uh, work done by groups like sama who have conducted lok adalats online and uh, i had the opportunity of listening to persons from sama talk about how this went you know how they went about doing this and uh, there was a lot of work that they did before uh, the mediations were actually conducted online Uh, the local dalits were conducted online uh, the kind of training the kind of sensitization the kind of sort of uh, working together that uh, you know uh, they worked on uh, with the different stakeholders uh, it was a lot of effort uh, it was a, there was a lot of sensitivity to how this was done and i think they brought together a mammoth effort with mammoth results uh, so uh, there is a lot going on and i think it's wonderful uh but i think um, online dispute resolution is also perched on uh you know the offline structures that we have the offline institutions that we have and the offline uh sort of disparities that we have so um while online dispute resolution is uh, is a means and is a measure i think we need to be very uh, sort of measured and careful about it and realize that it's it's not going to supplant or take over problems uh, that we face in the offline world uh there are disparities there are underserved communities i mean it works well in the urban context but in the rural context i'm not sure um uh you know there are large swathes of our population who don't have 
uh, access to the internet and i think we should be mindful about uh, you know these limitations that the uh, online dispute uh, resolution processes have um we should also be mindful of the fact that uh, uh there is a lot of sensitization needed in order to uh sort of mainstream mediation uh, so to speak more cases need to be referred for mediation for us to also be able to use this online platform um also about the stages when uh, disputes are referred for mediation if there is an interim order that is important i think that interim order can only be given by the courts or by the arbitral tribunal um if there is a maintenance application for instance that is pending that's um sorry one minute so that's that's an applic that's that's something that you need to be mindful of before sending the case for mediation so these are aspects that uh are uh, so issues or problems in our um, offline world and uh, uh, so, so these need to be tackled independently the online measures will not uh, you know take account or, or sort of resolve this. Thank you so much, from ma'am, for making making us understand about the situation. Now, in one of your articles, I read that about 174 countries recognize mediation and conciliation as a method of resolving disputes. Now, where does India stand among those countries, and how well equipped is our is our system of resolving disputes through mediation? Um, so India is probably at the forefront because we have so many um. laws and regulations that provide for mediation and conciliation um unfortunately in india we uh uh we've gotten caught in sort of uh demarcating mediation into mediation and conciliation and sort of what is expected in a conciliation under part 3 of the arbitration conciliation act uh making it a little inflexible um the the different laws also um i mean we have the commercial courts act we have the arbitration conciliation act we have the civil procedure code uh we have um the companies act we have the msme act i mean there are so many laws uh, that uh, the the industrial disputes act uh, you know so many laws that actually provide for mediation and conciliation as a part of the dispute resolution continuum either saying uh, you know you have to mediate or uh, providing uh, you know the mechanism of mediation as a facilitation right so uh, you have ombudspersons um, under reserve bank of india regulations said the regulations the insurance regulations who also are expected to conduct mediations in their sovereign states um the thing is we have after many uh, regulations uh, each of these regulations sort of setting different standards uh, defining the process is very differently um so i think it's uh, i think we need uh, to sort of streamline a lot of this we also need to sort of uh, look at mediation in a more wholesome way we have for instance the arbitration conciliation act that talks about mediate uh, arbitration and about conciliation section 30 of the arbitration conciliation act says that uh, the arbitrators will look at uh, resolving uh, the disputes through mediation conciliation etc uh, but you also have a provision in the arbitration act 
that says that once uh, pleadings are complete, you will resolve the dispute within a year's time. Uh, so you will uh, complete the arbitration within a year's time. Now, um, once you have a time limit set, uh, this discourages parties from looking at, uh, you know, conciliation or mediation once the arbitration has started. So I think you need to look at, uh, you don't have, for instance, also uh, provisions uh, that uh, exempt the time spent for mediation from the limitation uh, you know that's uh, within which you need to file the case so you need to look at uh, mediation in a more wholesome way not as sort of uh, in silos uh, in the way it's been done in most legislations thank you so much for giving an insight about a legal system concerning mediation now now as you are working on policy and legislation for mediation in india what is your opinion about the standalone law for mediation in India? I think it's very important to have a standalone law on mediation. Um, I think it, uh, it's important uh, first for us to sort of uh, debunk this distinction in policy about mediation and conciliation. Uh, there are functional differences in the two in terms of uh, conciliator taking a more active role and the mediator taking a less active and a facilitated role. But these are processual elements and I don't think the policy needs to make a distinction between mediation and conciliation. Uh, we are on two tracks already about mediation and conciliation in our different policies in India today. And I think that distinction needs to go. So I think we need to uh, define mediation, the process of mediation uh, in a standalone policy um, as a very at its very elemental level, um, we also need a standalone law in order to set standards for mediation. Uh, standards that sort of identify what the rights of the parties are in the mediation process. Uh, the fact that this is a voluntary process. Um, the fact that uh, there is there are obligations of confidentiality and standards uh, that the parties and the mediator need to adhere to. Um, the uh, the aspect of limitation that I spoke about earlier. Um, uh, what are the standards uh, in the process that we would want to see? Um, what is um, the status of a mediated settlement agreement? Uh, what is the oversight that the mediated settlement agreement, the mediated process, mediation process needs to have? Um, how does one enforce a mediated settlement agreement? Should one be able to challenge a mediated settlement agreement? And um, of course, the Singapore Convention, uh, which uh, I think requires uh, a law to be made in order to implement uh, the Singapore Convention once India ratifies it. So, for all of these uh, reasons, I think we need a standalone law uh, which would set the standards and set the norms for the variety of legislations and regulations that we have in India uh, concerning mediation. And what do you think? Will there be a resistance from the legal fraternity towards mediation? I don't like to see it as resistance or acceptance. I think we need to look a little behind how we are trained as lawyers and what we perceive our role uh, to be as lawyers. Um, we, are, we are trained uh, in colleges to look at uh, the laws as uh, very important, as the courts is very important, as the courts as um, as, as institutions that safeguard our rights, that resolve disputes for us. Um, and um, as lawyers, uh, 
without training, without experience, and without perspectives, we set a lot of store by this. This institution is important. The processes that uh, this institution provides, uh, the outcomes that this institution provides, are very important to us. I mean, there's no uh, two ways about it. Um, so when when clients come to us. Uh, we look at the law as providing standards and as providing uh, remedies for our clients um, and we look at uh, the court process as the process by which we will uh, uh, resolve this dispute when a client comes to us with problems uh, we as lawyers want to help them and uh, <clears throat> uh, we take on the problems uh, and issues that the clients face as our very own uh, our law lawyers are very hard working Right, so um, and and uh, they go all out to get the best for the clients. Right, so um, I think the issue uh, of of resistance is not an issue of uh, of money, but I think uh, it's about understanding this process better. And um, I don't think lawyers are invested in the longevity of cases or being able to learn, uh, sorry, earn uh, money through the longevity of cases. I don't think that's how lawyers function at all. Um, I think, um, uh, you know, once uh, mediation becomes mainstream, lawyers will be, work out mechanisms for the services and the assistance that they provide to clients. And, and let me say it's very important, uh, the presence of lawyers in mediation. Um, so uh, there will be mechanisms worked out for uh, you know, uh, remunerating lawyers for the work they put in in mediation, for uh, their support in the mediation process, uh, their assistance to clients in the mediation process. So, I think um, lawyers have started using mediation strategy. Uh, <clears throat> when cases are filed in court, often the trigger is uh, an interim relief that, that you know, uh, the client needs. And once lawyers have gone through this process of, you know, the interim application being filed, being heard, and orders being passed, um, you know, and the appeals that uh, these applications need to take. Uh, once that is done, and once the main case is set for trial, you know, is awaiting trial uh, and final hearing, lawyers tactically use, uh, tactically rather, use mediation. Um, they take the case to, uh, they bring the cases to mediation um, and they try and resolve it. So, lawyers are finding ways of uh, using mediation that best serve their clients' interests. So, I don't expect uh, uh, resistance in that sense from lawyers. You know, in Italy, um, uh, there was a law passed mandating mediation for uh, certain categories of cases. Um, lawyers uh, struck work and challenged this law. Uh, but when, you know, um, uh, this law was reconsidered and restructured in a more wholesome way, um, which mandated, uh, you know, lawyers being there, uh, lawyers participating in mediation with the clients, lawyers um, assisting their clients and, um, you know, advising their clients on how uh, they would resolve their disputes through the mediation. Um, the use of mediation has grown. So I think uh, we are all stakeholders in this process. We as mediators, as lawyers, as parties. And uh, I think uh, we, we need all of us for mediation to succeed. Thank you so much uh, for the answer. Now that uh, you are also an author and have authored plenty of books and articles, 
<clears throat> throughout in your throughout your career so my question is what thought thought process goes behind writing a book and how does your practice as a mediator helps you in that okay so i i the books you had referred to are not books i have written uh, i have edited and i revised these books uh, you know some with uh, uh, several people uh, the only book i have written is a book on mediation uh, policy and practice uh, that's the name of the book which came out in january 2021 and that looks at mediation uh, uh, in different dispute verticals for instance matrimonial disputes insolvency disputes um uh, you know uh, the singapore convention etc um what are the thought processes i mean it's very difficult to sort of identify thought processes in that way uh, i think as a mediator i um i wanted um to sort of spread the message of mediation uh, further um uh, and that was sort of the motivation for writing the book uh, there are uh, you know countries where uh, mediation has been used sort of more extensively in uh, in many dispute uh, uh, you know verticals and I wanted to talk about the possibilities of mediation in each of these dispute categories, uh, the challenges uh, in each of these dispute categories, the issues that uh, um, have come up very peripherally or not at all, and I wanted to sort of put that together. So uh, that was the reason why I wrote this book on mediation. I have practiced as a corporate commercial lawyer. Uh, I have also practiced in matrimonial law very briefly at the start of my uh, career, and. Uh, having practiced uh, these areas of law that helped me sort of being able to uh, look at the issues uh, look at what is happening in uh, mediation in these uh, disputes dispute categories and to write about it um, uh, there were areas that i have not practiced in so uh, labor disputes and community mediation uh, i had friends uh, who had practiced in this area and who are mediators Uh, they wrote chapters on these areas, so that's how you know, my practice helped in writing. And <clears throat> what are your thoughts on dispute resolution skills and life skills? Any experience from your journey so far uh, that you would like to share with us on how dispute resolution skills, specifically mediation, personally benefited you? Mediation is the life skill. Um, I think um, what we what we want parties to do in the mediation which is to listen to the other side to understand the other side and um, work together uh, in resolving the dispute i mean uh, it's nothing but a life skill uh, you know uh, the demands on the party are are very very uh, tough in a mediation you know uh, if you were to take your dispute to arbitration or take it to court your uh, you know there are there is someone else who is deciding it for you but here you are asked to sort of uh, confront uh, sit with the person with whom you have a conflict which is a very difficult thing to do uh, usually uh, to talk to that person to listen to that person and to work with that person in resolving it to look at it not as my problem or your problem but as our problem and uh, to resolve it so the demands that mediation makes of parties and of lawyers is tremendous and uh, that's been very humbling when you see parties sitting together um, trusting you uh, and uh, working together uh, to to resolve the dispute 
uh, it's a very humbling experience uh, it's also taught me that uh, there are many many sides to everything uh, it's not in uh, silos uh, there is uh, there is no sort of right and wrong i mean it's it's all you know it's uh, there are a lot of ambiguities in a lot of disputes and um, uh so so to give an example of uh, how it has affected me um i these these skills as a mediator have helped me in my transactional work i um i uh, sort of uh, assist uh, parties in sort of uh, developing uh, you know investment agreements or shareholder agreements and in one such instance um, there was a lot of sort of back and forth about uh you know how the new company that would be set up would be managed uh each party uh, you know brought to the new company a certain uh, value some brought money and investment some brought experience some brought expertise some brought technical expertise and um, there was a lot of pull and push about you know what needed to be done and everyone was exhausted angry uh each person each party had given a little bit Uh, but i'd stood firm on something else and everyone was angry and, and uh, you know the the uh, discussions and the negotiations just fell apart and everyone went home and uh, each felt that they had given in quite a bit and they were angry and uh, um after i i waited for a day or two and i spoke to my client and i uh, told my client I understand you're upset and I understand you're angry but why don't you pick up the phone and speak to uh, the other parties uh, and ask if we can you know begin this process again uh, also reflect on why uh, the other parties have asked for what they have asked for uh, and uh, let's identify these interests or these concerns uh, you know which Uh, which are the basis for certain claims in the agreement and let us talk about it and see how we can resolve it uh uh i was fortunate that the client uh, actually uh heeded this and uh, uh thought about it spoke to me again uh we spoke about why there were these sort of pulls and pushes and then this person who is a very senior person actually called the other parties and spoke to them and we got that contract right. and uh, we were able to find a way of uh, you know putting something in the agreement that met everyone's concerns uh maybe in my pre mediation avatar i would not have thought of something like this i would have been hesitant um another example of uh, mediation being a life skill is um, a mediation that i did uh, where uh, it related to an admiralty dispute um there were many people who had claims on uh a ship uh the ship was sold and uh, there was money available to be distributed um it could have been distributed pro rata uh it could have followed a certain priority but uh, over the course of the mediation uh you know what came through was uh that there were small claims there were large claims and uh, the people with the smaller claims were people for whom the small amount of money meant everything Uh, it was important for them to recover this money and uh, there were larger companies for whom it was important to recover this money but uh, for whom 
you know they could uh, let go a little bit of this money and when as we all sat together and spoke of you know uh, how these you know claims came about how these debts have come about uh, what each person's needs were uh these big companies actually said you know we will forego some of our money so that the smaller claimants for whom the small you know this amount of money is so important uh get a little more uh you know uh as a recovery or as a repayment and uh, it was it was amazing and uh, that's how it got resolved so i mean uh this is something that can happen i suppose only in mediation you know where you get to know each other so so much more than you would if it were in an adversarial process you you don't think of only uh, what the formal claim is you go beyond that at the person you know so at the person's needs or the person's interests and um, you're willing to forego because you are able to and you do it and that was a such a fine gesture uh, so yes that's that's a life skill and a life value rather than a skill actually thank you so much ma'am for sharing such a amazing experience now do you think that the youth of this country should be equipped with skills like dispute resolution negotiation and conflict management skills um i think our youth i think all of us use these skills in our day to day and uh, um i think we presumptuous to say that these are skills to be learned only i think we learn it through our lives um and um, but in terms of uh, in terms of the young people that i think uh, we know sort of better that is um, people who are studying the law i think it's important um, for you not to look at um, adversity or the adversarial system as the only way in which uh, disputes are resolved uh, and that there can be collaboration in resolving disputes that uh, there are multiple ways of resolving disputes and that we must use all of them that these are all parallel systems parallel processes uh, that go hand in hand with the courts and um, that we don't look at um, dispute resolution as a straight line that we go straight to court uh, we file a case in court and, let the court decide decide that has its place but there are there is also place for uh, different processes that are available and i think that's something i'd urge uh, law students and young young lawyers to do. thank you so much ma'am now what is your one message to all the aspiring young mediators and young dispute resolution lawyers out there uh what i have said just now uh that um, expand your canvas uh when you and expand your sort of globe uh when you look at uh, helping your client um your responsibility as a lawyer is not just winning cases i think it's also doing the best by your client giving clients options uh sort of informing them about multiple processes that are available uh when uh If disputes were to arise both at the time when you are drafting agreements or contracts uh, for parties as well as when a dispute arises and one is looking at a way of resolving the dispute so that 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 is what i would uh, urge uh, young lawyers and um, 
I think you don't have to be a mediator uh, formally. You can be a mediator even as a lawyer. Uh, each person, you have your own journey to take. Do take it. Uh, do prioritize what it is you want to do. Um, either in courts, in arbitration, in mediation, and in negotiation, and multiple other ways in which disputes can be resolved. And enjoy your journey. Thank you so much, ma'am, for speaking with us today. We are absolutely grateful for the time and effort you took to share your thoughts and experiences with us. Your years of research, your depth of making us making us understand, and your ability to present the subject in such an interesting way produced one of the most memorable evening in YCM's history. And the subject intrigues all of us, and we plan to learn more after this conversation. Thank you so much, ma'am, and we are truly grateful to you for Thank this interview. Thank you so much. by CM as well for having me. Thank you.